years that I've been working with couples, I've been asked by countless writers, reporters, and producers, Michelle, how can couples have loving and lasting relationships? So I thought I'd share with you five tried and true strategies or tools for making good relationships great or getting relationships that are on the brink back on solid ground. Because of my commitment to helping couples stay together, I've been teaching couples how to enrich their marriages for years. But first I want to tell you about the five steps for creating more love in your life. The first step in creating more love in your life is to practice something that I call real giving. You see, people tend to give or show love in their lives in the way they like to receive it, but that's not real giving. Real giving is when you give to your partner the things your partner wants and needs, whether you understand it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, actually that's irrelevant. You do it because loving, healthy relationships are built on mutual caretaking. So I want to give you a few examples. It would mean giving your spouse, who really loves getting gifts on Valentine's Day, a wonderful Valentine's Day present, even though you think that it's a commercial holiday that's just hyped up so that you buy chocolates, flowers, and other sorts of gifts. Real giving is going to a chick flick even though you really don't like it, but you know your spouse does, just so that you can spend time together. Real giving is being open and receptive to being sexual, even if you're not 100% in the mood, because you know your partner is. Real giving is being willing to go out with your partner's parents for dinner, even though you may not love them. It doesn't really matter. You do it because your partner wants to do it. And here's another caveat. If you do these things and you complain or you have a long face or you seem unhappy, it is not a gift. It becomes a gift when you do it um, with a good and open heart and you, and you know that you're going to be in good spirits when you're doing it. You're doing it, you're showing love because something is important to your partner. I want to give you one more example. It's such a common example in my practice. So very often women want to feel close and connected to their husbands um, emotionally before they're interested in touching and being physical. And very often their husbands, conversely, are very interested in being close and connected physically before they show love in other ways, before they spend time together, before they have deep, meaningful conversations. And both people wait for the other one to change before they take a step closer to their partner. So what tends to happen, if she's not interested in touching her husband, he may feel rejected and therefore become angry. And when he gets angry, that's not an aphrodisiac. And so she pulls away even further. What needs to happen in these relationships is the moment she sees her husband pulling away, shutting down, getting angry, getting irritable, she needs to ask herself, when was the last time we made love? And she needs to reach out to him, understanding that his irritability is really a sign of vulnerability and rejection. 
So she needs to show real giving by being physical. Conversely, when she sees, when he sees her not touching him, pulling away, doing her own thing, not being open or receptive to any kissing or hugging or cuddling, he needs to ask himself, when was the last time we went to a movie together or we had a deep, meaningful conversation or I told her that I loved her or that I shared with her any of my personal feelings? And even though she's pulled away from him physically and he feels rejected, he needs to reach out to her, spend time with her, and talk to her. You see, what I'm saying here is that both people have to do the very thing exactly when they don't feel like doing it. It's called real giving. In order to break through, remember this is the marriage breakthrough, to break through the impasse that they're experiencing in their relationship. It's hard to do, but I'm telling you that if more people understood this principle, doing what's important to your partner, even if you're not in the mood, I'd be out of business. Marriage therapists would be out of business. So that's step number one. The second step is to embrace the notion that it takes one to tango. And here's what I mean by that. You can change your relationship single-handedly. You don't need the participation of your spouse to make things better in your relationship. So one thing you need to know is that that old adage, you can't change other people, is absolutely wrong. You can change other people, but you must begin by changing your own actions first. Relationships are such that if one person changes, the relationship will change. I want you to, for a moment, envision a mobile. And when you spin one piece of the mobile, the entire mobile begins to spin. You set um, all the pieces in action. And the same is true in your relationship and in your family, for that matter. And, you know, one of the things, the examples that I like to give people is, can you think of something that you can say or do that would instantly affect a negative change in your relationship, such as telling your husband that he reminds you of your father-in-law when he acts that way, telling your wife that she looks fat in that dress, um, bringing up certain subjects that are always conflictual, such as money or sex or in-laws or, or the children. You know that as soon as you go there, you're going to get a negative response you can trigger a negative response. You know that. Well, the same philosophy, the same strategy applies in a positive direction. You can trigger positive responses, positive reactions, because everyone has within him or her positive change buttons. You just have to know how to find them and then you have to know how to activate them. But you can trigger positive change in your relationship single-handedly, which is great news because it means that you don't have to wait for your spouse to change in order to make things better. You can be proactive. You can make a difference. The third step in creating lasting love is to do more of what works. So what do I mean by this? Look. If you've been with your partner for many years, I am telling you that you have solved 
thousands and thousands of problems over the course of your marriage. You have many, many times that have gone well or that are going well. But as human beings, we tend to focus on what's not working. And we tend to overlook those very successful times that we have when we're interacting. So often when I'm working with a couple, if they had an argument on Monday morning, and then things are going really well throughout the rest of the week, but they have an argument again on Sunday afternoon. When they come to their next session with me, what they'll be telling me is that they argue all the time because they'll take these two points as if they're seamlessly connected and it feels as if things happen all the time. But I always ask the question, what's different about the times when you guys were getting along? And what I then find out is there were five days in between where they were doing well. So I become a solution detective. I want to know what was different about the five days in between the bookends of the times when you were fighting. And here's what I would find out. They were spending more time together. They were communicating more constructively about who's going to pick up the kids after school and drive them to their after school activities. They were texting kind messages to each other over the course of the week. They had decided how to collaboratively cook dinner each evening in the, that interim period. What they had was their formula for success on those five days. So instead of looking at the times that aren't going well and trying to figure out who started it, it really behooves you to think back about times that are working well, whether they happen today, this week, this month, or even a few years ago. What was different when things were working? And do those things again. Even if those positive times happened long ago, sometimes couples say to me, yeah, things were better before we had kids 10 years ago. Obviously, kids are a one-way street. When you have them, you have them. Um, but you can ask yourself, what was different before you had kids? People talk about the fact that they had fun, they were spontaneous, they were doing enjoyable activities together. Well, guess what? That's reproducible. You can do that again. If, even if you have kids, you can get babysitters, you can go out. So really think about what were both of you doing differently during times that were working and do more of that. Well, I guess you're going to be able to guess what my next step is. Do more of what works and do less of what doesn't work. Let's take a look at that for a moment. Believe it or not, when we have problems in our lives, so many of us do more of the same. Things that aren't working. You know, in life, when there's a problem, we generally do something to fix it. And if it works, great, life goes on. But if it doesn't work, we tend to tell ourselves that didn't work. We have to do more of what we've been doing, only this time I'm going to do it stronger and harder. Say it louder, one more time with feeling. And you know, insanity has been defined as doing the same old thing and expecting different results. Well, guess what? If you continue to do the same old thing, you are going to get different results. Things will get worse. 
Let me give you an example. My classic example comes from the many years that I was doing family therapy where um, the parents discovered that their teenager John was sneaky. And what did John's parents do when John was, was observed being sneaky? They started to spy on him. And as soon as John noticed that his parents were spying on him, what did he do? He got sneakier. He got better at it. And when the parents noticed that their son was getting even sneakier, that the problem was getting worse, did they say to themselves, we better try something completely different. This spying stuff isn't working? No. They told themselves, we have to get better at spying at, on him. So, so often these parents would, they would put a phone trap on the line, they would, you know, drive after him wherever he was going in town, um, they would make sure they knew what he was doing on the internet. I mean, they were all over him. And again, the more they did that, the sneakier he got. So in relationships, I've seen similar kinds of situations where a woman, for example, might say to her husband, we're not spending enough time together, you're not talking to me enough, and so he does a little bit of it, and the next day he picks up a newspaper at their breakfast table, and she says to him, I can't believe you're reading this paper. We just had this conversation about not spending enough time together, not talking enough. And he says, yeah, well, we did that yesterday. Do we have to do this every moment? So she starts nagging him, and guess what happens when she nags? He withdraws. And the more he withdraws, the more she nags. And the more she nags, the more he withdraws. I think you get the picture. The very thing this woman is doing to solve the problem, i.e. nagging, reminding, begging, pleading, is making the situation worse. In other words, the solution becomes the problem. So if what you're doing isn't working, you have to stop. Stop now. And the way you can tell what you're doing isn't working is to ask yourself, when does my spouse show up as stubborn, like keep saying the same thing over and over and over again? Because that's when you, my friend, are doing more of the same. You need to stop. And my last step is do something different. But you might be sitting there asking yourself, well, what should I do that's different? I don't know what to do. And here is the great news. It doesn't matter what you do specifically that's different. What matters is that it is different. You see, when we're in relationships, especially when we've been in relationships for a long time, we're in automatic pilot. We don't really even need to think about what we're going to say next. I bet you have had so many conversations with your spouse that you know exactly what you're going to say. Your spouse knows exactly what he or she's going to say. You have the script down so that if one of you were sick, the other one could be the understudy. I think you know what I mean. We don't even think about what we're doing because we are predictable and our spouses are predictable. And the great thing about what I'm teaching you right now is that if either one of you does something different, it kicks both of you out of automatic pilot and you'll get a different response. I'm going to give you a rather humorous story, but it's true of someone that I knew 
who was doing the same thing over and over again in her long-term marriage and it was making matters worse and she truly wanted to break out of that pattern. So here's the deal. She grew up in a family where people yelled a lot and she hated conflict and she would do anything to avoid it. And as life would have it, she married a man who had a very low tolerance for frustration and would anger very easily. So anytime he encountered a situation that was frustrating, he would rev up, he would get angry. And over the years, what she would do to try to um, smooth over the situation is to calm him down. She would say, it's not that bad, relax, we'll figure it out. And she would try to calm him down. Well, what happens to a person who's revving up and getting angry when their spouse is telling them it's not a big deal. They get even angrier, and that's precisely what happened over the course of their marriage. And she used to tell herself, you know, he's got an anger problem, he inherited it from his father, it's in his DNA, um, he can't change it. But she never really thought, is there something I could do or that I'm doing that's exacerbating this situation until she read my book and learned the principle, do something different when what you're doing isn't working. So she made a commitment to herself that the next time her husband was getting angry that she was going to try something, anything different, and here's what happened. It was Sunday. Her husband was in the family den. He was working on a project and all of a sudden she was in the kitchen all of a sudden she hears his voice getting louder and louder and she's listening to what he was saying and he would start to say I can't believe that my boss expects me to do this I wasn't at the training how am I going to figure this out I cannot believe this is happening and her first instincts were to rush in the room and to try to get him to settle down but she remembered the promise that she made to herself so she marched herself into the family den. She, he was ranting and raving. She pounded her fist on the desk and she said, I can't believe that your boss is expecting you to do this project. I remember you weren't at the training. There's no way you'll know what to do. It's going to ruin your day. It's going to ruin my day. Your boss is such a jerk for thinking that you can do this when you didn't get the training. Dead silence. And then he said, Settle down, I'll figure it out, it's okay. It was the first time he reacted that way. Did his DNA change? Obviously not. It was the first time she realized that there was something she could do to prompt a new, different, and more productive response in her husband. And I'm not sure that this solved all of their marital problems, but what I can tell you is that it created a sea change in the way that she thought about how empowered she could be in that relationship. And so what I want to tell you is that the next time you find yourself in a slippery slope and you're, you can kind of sense that you're going down that track where it's the same old thing, stop for a moment and ask yourself, what is my goal here? What am I hoping to accomplish? Is what I'm about to say or do going to bring me closer to my goal or push me further away? And if the answer is further away, I don't care how smart you are, I don't care how right you are, do something different. 
because you will have a better outcome, I promise you. And I have one final suggestion for you. You should definitely watch the Marriage Breakthrough Program. It will give you many other creative ideas and tools for making your relationship better, for bringing it back from the brink of divorce. It will truly help you feel like you can find your love again and find your way to connect. And until the next time, keep loving each other. Thank you.